0: what's going on everyone welcome to the points in the paint podcast sponsored and presented by stadium i'm ben witness
2: i am zach badger house always in the house
0: zach we're still going through our off-season team previews we got the memphis grizzlies coming up in this episode yes Uh, we have joe mullinax from sb nation from the grizzlies sb nation website coming on, talking everything Memphis Grizzlies, giving us some hot Memphis Grizzlies takes, yes. but also some pretty good measured analysis of where the team is right now, where they're going to go, and, and kind of what mm. he expects from the next couple years from them.
2: Yeah, we appreciate him for coming on. Joe, he was great. You know, the the hot take that he gave us, I can't wait for the listeners to hear that. That's going to be oh, pretty yeah. awesome. And, you know, I want to hear Memphis Grizzlies fans' reaction to that hot take that Joe gave us, and so yeah, it was great to have him on to talk everything Memphis all the way down in the Dirty South.
0: Oh, it's exciting! It's a great interview. So stay tuned for that in the coming weeks, Zach. We're gonna have hopefully two a days coming up in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, we've got some fun teams lined up. We got what the Bulls. We've got maybe the Bucks, Celtics, Pistons. Um, Pistons. Yeah, we've got we've got some teams lined up. So we're gonna be continuing to do these team previews. I think people have enjoyed them. I've enjoyed talking to all these writers and kind of figuring out what teams to look for, what teams to watch on League Pass coming up this season. So yeah. I'm excited for that. And, and I think a lot of these writers, too, have uh, have shown that they're excited for what their team has to bring. And I think the key thing that I have kind of found out from what a lot of these people are saying is it seems like the league in general has just gotten better this season. It seems like almost every single team is going to be a little bit better than they
2: were last year. except for that team that i talked about oh watch well, celtics i don't know oh, <laughs> we're gonna have that's to wait and see here from amina <laughs> we'll have to ask our girl amina
0: over there in boston <laughs> so that'll be fun i think we're there'll be some more fun episodes in the coming weeks with a lot of more a uh, lot more fun team previews um and we appreciate everyone reaching out on social media points in the paint we have a new logo which we're very excited about yeah. zach did the first logo that stayed with us for what a year and a half and that was awesome um, and then we just got it revamped as, as we get ready for the new season. So we're very excited. Hopefully we get some good feedback on that. You can follow us at points paint on Twitter. Um, we have Facebook, YouTube, and you know, we're everywhere. We're everywhere you can find the podcast, everywhere on social media. So give us a rate, give us a subscription. And Zach, we have been having a lot of fun too with the voicemail, the voicemail yeah, system. I think this yeah. is. Just- Slowly but surely becoming my favorite part of the podcast is listening to these voicemails, playing these voicemails, hearing what the listeners, what the points painters have to say about the NBA. Um, it's just become uh, it's become a lot of
2: fun. It's definitely become a lot of fun. We've had some very interesting takes, some hot takes, some some very, you know, detailed ones as well. And so yeah. I you know, I can't wait to just jump right into those. <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, give us a call when you can. We'll be playing these on every episode. Short, long, articulate, non-articulate, whatever you want to do, whatever whatever message you want yeah. to leave, give us a call, seven seven three two seven three nine oh eight eight. Um uh, the, the number will be listed in the description for the podcast. So give us a call, night or day, twenty four seven. The phone line, the hot take line, is always open. And with that being said, Zach, let's go to the <laughs> voicemail line for this week's Points in the Pain podcast.
2: Hello. Please leave a message after the tone. Alright, I'm not sure if it's an incredibly hot take, but all logical points are the signs of that that the Warriors should have the same odds to make the finals and win the Western Conference uh, that the Lakers do. Uh, coming back with talent, coming back with young, uh, athletic talent that can play those extra minutes while the older superstars rest and get ready to gear up for the playoffs, um, I see no reason why the Warriors shouldn't be able to compete for an actual t- title this year. Hey, man, well let you all know, man. I appreciate what y'all been doing. You know, love being a fan of y'all. You guys be great. But let y'all know, man, Derrick Rose is still top five point guard in the NBA. I just want to let y'all know, LeBron James is the best player to ever touch a ball. Put that on your top list.
1: Hey, my boy wants to talk to you.
2: So I believe the Chicago Bulls are gonna be the fifth or sixth seed in the playoffs. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Zach. Great listeners. I enjoy the show. Wow. All right.
0: A lot of good. This was uh, one of the more long calls we have gotten. Yeah, we got a a good amount (laughs) of people calling in and a lot of different uh, hot takes that we got. A lot of different takes.
2: A lot of them. Derrick Rose, top five point guard NBA currently still. I love the energy. However, (laughs) I think you only get it's kind of like this. All right. This is how I kind of break that down like this. You know how there's playoff Rondo? There's playoff Rose. Yep. And so, like, playoff Rose, that's the top five point guard in the NBA because what he did for the New York Knicks while Julius Randle was struggling during that time in the postseason against the Atlanta Hawks, Derek Rose was quietly elevating and rising to the occasion, getting 25, 20, you know, 30 points a night. He was, you know, doing what he could for that New York team while the rest of the guys were struggling, you know the younger guys who hadn't had that type of experience that Rose has had playing under those likes, the big stage in the NBA playoffs. So, you know, there's playoff Rose. I can get playoff Rose going. You know, we go going to start that right here on the Points of the Pain podcast. You know, playoff Rose, playoff Rose, definitely top five in the league. I
0: love it. Hashtag Playoff Rose. We'll, we'll be we'll make that a segment throughout the year <laughs> and, and
2: keep checking in on where
0: Derrick Rose is going to be doing. We also got the Warriors should have the same odds as the Lakers to make or to win the finals, I think is what they said. Yes. Um, which, listen, I think at first glance, you kind of do a double take at a take like that. But I kind of like it. And I'm not saying the Warriors are going to win the title. I'm not saying that they're going to they're going to to blow everyone out of the water this season. But they get Steph back, they get Clay back, they get Draymond back. You have the core that made such a great run in the last couple of years in the second half of the 2010s. You have that core. They're still relatively young. They're they're not really showing their age just yet. You have some of the younger guys coming in. You throw in some veterans here and there. You get Steve Kerr. I I don't see a reason why they at least shouldn't be considered maybe one of those dark horse title teams at this point. And the the caller said it. He said, you know, they should be getting a little bit more respect. I don't see why they can't compete for a title. And I completely agree. I, I think you could say they should be able to compete for at least a deep playoff run this year.
2: I think the biggest mystery is Clay Thompson, right? Like yep. where, where's he's going to where is he going to be come February? You know, how is that knee going to hold up? How is that Achilles going to hold up? You know, that's a guy that, you know, we praise the Splash Bros. But I give a lot of credit for Clay Thompson, ability to defend on the other end of the floor, you know, guarding the best perimeter player night in, night out. And so, you know, that's going to be huge to see moving forward with the uh Golden State Warriors now they are plus 1300 and the Lakers are plus 400 and so we'll see if those odds start to change as the season begins and progresses
0: 13 to 1 if you're a betting man <laughs> and you like the Warriors you get them a 13 to 1 to win the title that's a pretty good number I don't think you could be wrong to make that bet uh, some caller said LeBron best to ever touch the ball hard to uh, hard to disagree with a take like that it's, it's LeBron you're not going to get much of an argument out of me <laughs> And then we had someone say the Bulls are going to be the fifth or sixth seed in the playoffs, which, love it, love the optimism. I think that's the ceiling for this team this year, fifth seed. If they can get a fifth seed, I'm going to be ecstatic, Zach, for what this team brings. I'm not expecting a huge, like, Warriors-type season where they go off unexpectedly. And I, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have doubts about the Chicago Bulls team with DeRozan and Lonzo and, and Levine and how they're all going to react interact with each other and Vucevic. But I could see it working, and if it works in a very tough Eastern Conference, I think you maybe see the Bulls get the fifth or sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. I think it could easily work out for something like that.
2: Yeah, I agree with that, too. I definitely believe – the Chicago Bulls team with what they did in the offseason. Oh, they're yeah. definitely in a position to be a a serious playoff team, you know, fifth or sixth seed. They should rise to the occasion. Billy Donovan coaching them. You know, they're going to be a more defensive-oriented team moving forward. You got Lonzo Ball on the perimeter. Zach Levine has played better defense throughout his career. He's improved year by year defensively, so that's going to help out as well. Then you got Vucevic on the glass, Patrick Williams, Project Pat. You know, he's going to continue oh, yeah. to grow for the Chicago Bulls, and so yeah, I believe they are depth, and they got depth, right? They went and added Alex Caruso, you know, so that's even more perimeter defense and some and another offensive weapon for that team. Kobe White coming off the bench, so yeah, they're going to be nice. You know, the Chicago Bulls will definitely be be fun this year.
0: I'm excited. I'm excited to talk positively <laughs> about this Bulls team on the podcast this year instead of just being all negative Nancy about them like the past couple of years on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but we appreciate everyone calling in. Keep those calls coming. Keep those takes. If you called this week, call again next week. Wh- whatever it may be, keep those calls coming. We love to hear from the listeners. Um, and, and we want this to be a community, right? We want this to be a place to yeah, share those takes. No take is a bad take. Um, no take is bad enough take to not give us a call. Let us know. Yeah, it could be cathartic. You know, no one believes the, your crazy NBA hot take. Call us. Let us know. We'll let you know if it's crazy or not at this point in time.
2: <laughs> We're off, excited. Playoff Rose. Playoff Rose. There you go. <laughs>
0: and before we get to the Joe Mullinax interview, Zach, we do have NBA news in the at yes, uh, the start of September, and that's the NBA Hall of Fame class, the 2021 Hall of Fame class. Um, which we knew who they were back in May, I believe it was, is when they released the names, but they're getting enshrined September 11th. Um, and I, it's great to see all of the names that have been announced. You've got Rick Edelman, Chris Bosch, Paul Pierce, Ben Wallace, Chris Weber, Jay Wright as a coach, Bill Russell as a coach. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a list.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a, one hell of a list. You no, know, Chris Bosch. You know, two time NBA champion, obviously. Then you got Mr. Fab Five himself, you know, Chris Weber, C. Webb, you know, so that's awesome to see him get enshrined into the Hall of Fame. Bill Russell as a coach, right? First uh, NBA black coach yeah. ever. And so like, that's dope to see him get in as well. So now he's, he's in as a player and a coach. Yeah. And it's so, and that's awesome to really see, right? Paul Pierce, you know, That's pretty dope. NBA Finals MVP. He's been a multi-all-star, you know, plenty of times. Ben Wallace, that one's going to be heartfelt. I believe oh, you know, yeah. a lot of people are going to, um, get your, get your tissue ready. Cause I think his speech is going to be, you know, pretty, pretty powerful. He's going to have a lot to say, especially coming from Virginia Union and, you know, being a four time defensive player of the year, winning that championship over that, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant team in 2004, you know, that LA team. And so, you know, you having all of that being Ben Wallace coming from where he came from. I think that's going to be one of the most heartfelt uh, speeches we're going to hear uh, this weekend.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the list is very impressive and Rick Edelman. I mean, he's ninth all time and wins and, and you put it in, in the show notes about how he coached so many players. Great players. Hall of <laughs> Clyde Drexler, Tracy McGrady, Yao Ming, Matumbo, Chris Mullen. I mean, the list goes on. It's, it's yeah. impressive who he's coached and, I mean, it makes sense why he's in this Hall of Fame class too. Um, Paul Pierce, people, you know we, know, 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 we can do a whole show. We can do a whole show about Paul Pierce and if he deserves to make it into the Hall of Fame and and what people think of him. Um, but I mean, he well, has he has some of the credentials. Oh,
2: he, yeah, he has some of the credentials. Yeah, we got the credential score. He's a, he was a scoring machine. You know, like the earlier days, even before the Big Three, right? You know, you can go to the. Go to YouTube. You go look at Paul Pierce in those early days. You know, they, the Boston Celtics may not have been winning, but they, they reached a peak period where they made the Eastern Conference Finals with him and Antoine Walker, and they were on the center stage against the Indiana Pacers. You know, so like, you know, there are moments in Paul Pierce's career where he looked like a top, you know, 10, top five player in this league. You know, he, he got, sta- my whole thing is this too being the brother got stabbed. Okay. <laughs> he got stabbed. <laughs> And he was still able to perform at a high level and still, you know, be able to yeah. even be in the NBA after that, you know, tragic incident. And so I think he'll probably speak on that, you know, during his speech. And uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: He's He will always be remembered on Twitter as the guy, the meme of him in the wheelchair. And he's <laughs> having to be placed in the wheelchair after an injury that didn't look like it really needed a wheelchair. But he's in the wheelchair nonetheless. Um, so that's that's kind of the Twitter Paul Pierce. It's funny because you have the real life Paul Pierce, who the player was obviously incredible Hall of Famer, of course. Then you have the TV announcer, Paul Pierce, who is goofy and just a guy with very weird takes. And then you have the Twitter <laughs> Paul Pierce where everyone just clowns on. Everyone is just absolutely giving him crap and, and making fun of him. There's still a lot of different Paul Pierce's out there. It's very funny to see kind of the development of what he's done after his playing career.
2: It's funny because I think one of the jokes is like LeBron. That's like the most points that LeBron has against is like him. Like LeBron has the <laughs> yeah. most points scored like like on, against him. Like LeBron goes out and just feeds Paul Pierce night in and night out, I guess, because that's the most points that he has against a player wow. is Paul Pierce.
0: Absolutely wild. And Chris Webber, of course. I mean, you could talk about his NBA playing career, but it's it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, right? It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. So yep. Chris Webber and what he did with the Fab Five at Michigan and and his accomplishments there and timeout issues aside um he obviously (laughs) obviously deserves to be in in the basketball hall of fame for something like this so a great class uh looking forward to watching those ceremonies the ben wallace speech like you said zach i think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch and he will most likely him and chris bosh i think are going to give some really good speeches um they're very fun guys and they've been obviously through a lot and They're people who you you really enjoy listening talk basketball with with both Ben Wallace and and Chris Bosh, so that'll be a lot of fun. All right, let's go to our interview. We talked to Joe Mullinax about the Memphis Grizzlies, and he had a lot to say, a lot of fun hot takes. So Mm -hmm. here's uh, Joe Mullinax from SB Nation.
2: Let's welcome a special guest on the Points in the Paint podcast covering everything Memphis Grizzlies. He is the site manager for SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. He is the podcast host of the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast streaming on the SB Nation's podcast network. Mr. Joe Mullinax, we appreciate you joining us.
1: I appreciate you guys having me. This is pretty cool. I uh, I, I have to admit, I, I've been pretty busy as we talked about before uh, going on the air as a as a head football coach at the high school level. This is my busy time of year, but it, I look up and the, the schedule says it's time to start talking about the NBA. It's like you are and the off season's over. <laughs>
2: No, absolutely. Because, you know, training camp is, what, three weeks away. So it's getting pretty close to preseason and, you know, getting a camaraderie together for all the teams around the NBA. But we want to focus on the Memphis Grizzlies. And so the first thing I want to ask is, you know, let's talk about the number 10 pick in the draft, this year's draft for the Memphis Grizzlies. Zaire Williams, see from him from Summer League that you think he'll be able to contribute early for the uh, Grizzlies team.
1: I'm not sure he's going to be able to contribute early, and I'm not sure that I care. And and that might be a, a bold statement. Uh, listen, he very clearly was a pick that is high on upside, right? And he struggled at Stanford. But in terms of who he is as a player, and Grizzlies GM Zach Kleiman said this in his uh, post-draft availability, they've been keeping tabs on him since he was in high school. So they were not as concerned about his, his time at Stanford as others may have been. My, my thing with him is this. You know you have Ja Morant, who appears by all accounts to be a future superstar, if not already a superstar. Maybe you're putting the cart before the horse a little bit with the superstar talk with Ja, but he's at least a star, and he's still 21, and he might be 22 now. He's, he's in his early 20s, and he figures to be on an upward trajectory. You have one of the most unique players in the NBA in Jaron Jackson Jr., again, young, like Ja, uh, entering a pretty important year for his contract. You're trying to figure out his situation long term, but you've got two young cornerstone pieces in Jaron and Jaw, hypothetically speaking. You know that's on the roster. You know, over the last two drafts, you've selected players like Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain. You've had, you know, strong signings in free agency or trades like for DeAnthony Melton. Um, and you've been frugal in your movements around the draft and via trade to put yourself in the best position. To be successful, the small market realities that you live in. So in this third year of their rebuild, they are now looking for the home run swings. And that's what Zaire Williams is for them. He is a home run swing. So when folks, you know, were begging the Grizzlies to take a home run swing in this draft, and then they do just that, and you hear some people say, Well, not that guy, not that home run swing, right? Like that they're 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 picking and choosing. They're doing exactly what a lot of people asked for. And I think, in terms of him contributing this year, they still have a ton of depth. They have a ton of depth on the wing, even after some of the trades that they've made. They still have guys like a Desmond Bain, De'Anthony Melton, like I mentioned before. Uh, they traded for Jared Culver, who I know again another guy that perhaps hasn't been particularly good in the NBA. But in in our uh, over at our site GrizzlyBearBlues.com, one of our writers, Nate Chester, uh, wrote about the idea of the lottery ticket and trying to get as many lottery ticket type selections as you can when you're a small market team. And that's exactly what Williams is. He he is a punch on the lottery ticket. They are trying to win the lottery and take a swing at his iron because they've built their organization up to the point where they can afford to do just that. They can take a swing. They can try to go for the fences. And if they hit, you know, they have a wing that is extremely versatile, that can do things offensively and defensively, that can really offset some of the weaknesses of Jaw especially on the defensive end of the floor. He provides length. He provides versatility as an on-ball defender, as a creator off the dribble. He does so many things theoretically well, at the NBA level especially, that if he hits, he immediately raises their ceiling. And if he doesn't have success, it's not like the Grizzlies floor falls all that much because of where that pick was made. So, yeah, they passed on James Boognight, they passed on, uh, you know, a couple other guys, Moses Moody, you know, that maybe folks were higher on in that process, but you can't ask them to swing for the fence and then say, not that swing for the fence, at least they (laughs) understand where they're at in the process.
0: And now you mentioned kind of the fan reaction with the draft pick, and you look at the Grizzlies offseason, you mentioned some of the moves that they made. How would you assess all of the moves the Grizzlies have made this offseason and by extension, how, how have you seen the fans' reaction to it as well?
1: First off, anybody who says they know what the Grizzlies doing is, are doing is full of it. Um, they uh, <laughs> you know King Clyman as he's affectionately known by some in the fan base Zack Clyman he, he's pretty, pretty plays things pretty close to the vest you know the uh, the trade of Hernan Gomez for Carson Edwards and Chris Dunn for example like that was like, oh That was not on anybody's radar. That was random. Thanks, Woe, for that bomb. (laughs) Or thanks, Shams, for that bomb. Um, You know, it's one of those things where you are trying to see, because at times you look at the roster and it looks like he's trying to position himself for a Ben Simmons-esque kind of move. You know, you put a a Kyle Anderson here, DeAnthony Melton there. You pull a couple other contracts together. You get a third team in. And and, uh, Memphis has multiple first-round picks. Like, I, I think they could be a, a, a dark horse candidate for that kind of a player, a Bradley Beal if things go south in Washington. You know, the, that kind of guy could potentially be on the horizon if they wanted to. Or they could just be trying to position themselves for future flexibility. If a disgruntled star, kind of like Kawhi Leonard several years ago, if something like that comes along and, and an opportunity falls into their lap, you know, they, they have a chance to do pretty much whatever they want in terms of the way that their roster is set up long term. But they have to make a decision on that relatively soon, because, as I mentioned earlier, you have Jaron Jackson Jr.'s contract, which is due at the end of this year. If they don't do it sooner, uh, you figure he'll make at least $100 million uh, total, you know, over four years or so, something along those lines. You know, you hope for the Jalen Brown kind of extension. But in a market like Memphis, maybe they just max him out and they keep him around, even though he may not be worth that in the here and now. You hope that the potential that he has displayed and the, the unicorn-esque things that he does so well as a 6'11 wing, essentially, you know, he, he's a big, but he can create off the dribble, he can shoot three, you know, he there's not many players in the NBA like Jaron Jackson Jr. So it, it's possible they're kind of positioning themselves in that way to make a big splash. It's possible they're just setting themselves up, and I think this is the most likely scenario to be as competitive as possible. As LeBron retires and Steph Curry falls, you know, every father time is undefeated. There's going to come a time when Steph and Kawhi and LeBron, all these guys that are currently in the West fall off. And who's going to take up that mantle? Luca, obviously, is going to be in that mix. But, you know, the Western Conference, when you look at it top to bottom, is kind of wide open in that regard. Who is going to be the next great team as the decade, you know, grinds on? I think the Grizzlies are uniquely positioned to put themselves in a spot, you know, talking about 2024, 2025, 2026 even. You know, they, they could have multiple players on this team that have been around for a while that will be ready to take up that mantle. Now, when you say that to a fan base, they have no interest in that, right? They don't want to talk <laughs> about 2024. They want to talk about 2021, right <laughs> and understandably so. Uh, so I think there's frustration at times with the fan base trying to figure out what they're trying to do. You know, you'd swap a Jonas Valanciunas for a Steven Adams, and on the surface, that's a downgrade. So did the team get worse? Are they trying to improve in terms of the playoffs? Uh, is that really that much of a downgrade? There's lots of questions surrounding them. But again, the central focus and point is on John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., but especially Jaw. And if John Morant is okay with this, then I think it's the smartest way to build an organization long term, especially in a market like Memphis, where you have to pay Chandler Parsons $94 million over four years to come to your organization. Free agency is not where they're going to thrive. It's in trades and it's in the draft. And I think that they've put themselves in a spot, whether it's through either avenue they can make themselves as good as possible. It's just not something that works in our instant gratification society, and that leads to fans being frustrated.
2: So do you believe this Memphis Grizzlies team is in a rebuilding stage? Where do you see the Memphis Grizzlies among the team, um, Western Conference next season?
1: I think that they're, they are in the perfect rebuilding stage and that they are going to do their very best to be good without sacrificing their long-term vision. They're not going to completely unload all of their draft capital and their young talent just to bring in Bradley Beal for a year or two, and then he leaves, or to try to get Zach Levine and convince him to stay. I don't think that they're really interested in that. Now, Ben Simmons is on a long-term contract. To me, that is more interesting. I don't necessarily think they're going to do that, but Mm -hmm. if they're going to make a swing for the fence like that, it is going to involve someone, in my opinion, that is under a long-term deal that is not just going to walk. You know, it's someone that they can help build the culture around Jaw and Jaron and be there for several years. But I don't really see them doing that either. I think they're perfectly content being in that play-in conversation, letting this core group of guys grow and develop and mature together. Because, again, when your two best players are 22 years old, you're not winning an NBA championship more than likely. (laughs) So in the next three years, as they come of age, you know, 25, 26, 27, and they enter their NBA primes, you build a team around those guys that is cap savvy because Memphis is not going into the luxury tax. Uh, they're going to build up a team that is full of guys that buy into their vision. They talk about the Grizzly standard all the time, the way that they do things. And that takes time to build. That's not an easy thing to do. And you need to do it with players that are integrated into the system and buy into what you're trying to achieve and accomplish together. So that's, that's a long-term process. I think that they're in a rebuild unapologetically in a rebuild, to be honest with you, but that doesn't mean that they're actively trying to be bad. It just means that they're not willing to sacrifice what could be in the future for better success in the here and now. They're not going to go get Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, insert higher level wing here and completely forego everything else that they've already uh, built for the sake of being the five or six seed in the Western Conference instead of being in the play-in. Their eyes are on the long picture and hopefully being a title contender four years from now.
0: So with that being said, with our eyes on the long picture, where do you see John Moran being among the list of top point guards in the league just even next season? We know he's young, but he's obviously made a huge impact in the couple of years he's been in the league. Where do you see him fitting in with some of those better point guards next season in the NBA? Is this kind of the year where he can move into, you know, I don't know if I want to say top five just yet, but top 10 and, and kind of looking inside uh, the top five area?
1: I think top eight to ten is realistic. I I believe that he could be in that all-star conversation. Say Chris Paul, as he gets older, you know, he fades a little bit. You know, there's reasonable arguments to say he's a fringe all-star level player. The thing that kills Ja Morant right now is his defense. He statistically is one of the worst defenders in the NBA and his three-point shot. But you've seen evidence of his range improving. So I think that that is going to continue to get better. I believe that Ja has too good of a frame physically to be a negative defender. I think he'll never be a a Chris Dunn even in terms of what he's capable of, but he has too good of a frame and too good of athleticism to be as bad as he was. I think he's naturally going to improve there. I think his range is going to improve. Is he going to be, I I hesitate to say Trey young, but I think those two are on similar planes in terms of what they're capable of. I, I think that, you know, the debate between those two guys is going to be interesting. I think Trey is the better player right now, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that he will be long term. I think Jaw has better physical traits than Trey. And if Jaw can develop his skill set in a similar manner to what Trey has done, not necessarily as a shooter, but especially, you know, Jaw is a phenomenal passer. That's something that isn't discussed with him as often. You know, he's a very good facilitator of offense, not just in terms of creating shots for others, but getting to that hockey assist idea, right? Creating the pass the additional skip pass to get somebody open on the wing, you know, he, he, above the break, you know, he he's very good at seeing that stuff. And that's only going to get better as he better understands how NBA defenses are trying to attack him. So I, I see him as a top eight kind of guy. I think that's very realistic in the NBA. I think he'll be a fringe all-star this year. And I think as the team builds around him, as you get Desmond Bain, as you get DeAnthony Melton, you mentioned, we talked about Williams earlier, a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr., all these guys that are growing up together, I can't reiterate that enough. I think that's important. These guys love the city of Memphis. They've bought into the culture, and they have bought into the culture because they're building it. You know, it's John Morant's team. So why would John Morant leave John Morant's team? And I think that's part <laughs> of Kleiman's philosophy. It's not that, you know, we're worried, like the Pelicans are worried about Zion Williamson leaving for the Knicks. John Morant is, is very quickly becoming the king of Memphis. And he is beloved in that city, and he's a part of establishing what it means to be a Memphis Grizzly for this decade. And that's extremely vital for his psyche. You know, that, that's important for how he views himself and how he views his role as a leader. You see it in the way he carries himself, the way he talks to his teammates. Uh, I think that kind of mentality of growth and development that he continues to display is really what's going to put him over the top and develop him as the years go on.
2: So trade rumors are sort of surfacing around Dylan Brooks, a player who's, in my opinion, has done really well and exceeded expectations in the eyes of the Memphis Grizzly organization. Uh, Do you see something along the lines of him being traded or do you think he can continue to elevate his game for this organization?
1: If Ben Simmons is on the table or Bradley Beal, then yeah, I could see them trading
0: <laughs>
1: if if those guys are not realistic and you're laughing because they may not be realistic. And I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't think they're realistic. So I don't think those trade rumors are realistic. They're not trading Dylan Brooks for somebody that doesn't help them get to the next level, because Dylan Brooks is another one of those guys that has helped establish that culture when they were in the bubble and they were in that play-in game against Portland or, you know, John, you know, obviously Jaron Jackson, Jr. Tears his meniscus, he goes down and, you know, they need somebody to step up and be that second best player. Dylan Brooks was willing to be that guy. That doesn't mean he was good at it because he wasn't. Um, he's definitely much better at doing other things um, as opposed to that. But he, he's a better catch and shoot guy, for example, off the three. But with Dylan he is vital to defense. He's vital to the confidence. He's vital to all of those things. And because of that, I think they see him as more valuable than the rest of the NBA might. And I don't know that people are going to be willing to pay the price that the Grizzlies would part with to give up Dylan Brooks. You, you laugh when you say, oh, well, Dylan Brooks being in a Ben Simmons trade, that's ridiculous. Well, to make salaries match, that would have to be included. And I think the Grizzlies right. would be like, you know, Dylan's really important. and And that would be one of the ways that they try to negotiate. So. I don't think trades are going to happen because it would take too many moving parts to part with someone like Dylan.
0: So before we let you go, Joe, we're we've been asking this of every uh, guest that we've had for their specific teams that they cover. What is your hottest take? Realistically, semi-realistically, that you have for the uh, for the Grizzlies this upcoming season, it could be maybe a trade you think might happen or should happen, or the how far they're going to go in the postseason, what their record is going to be, maybe they're going to be worse than people think. Do you have a, a personal hot take for what you expect something to happen for the Grizzlies this upcoming season?
1: Jaren Jackson Jr. is going to be the NBA's most improved player. He's Ooh. going to win that award. That's my hot take. I think that he has the talent to be the most unique player in the NBA. Uh, He's done things as a three-point shooter, as a shot blocker that have not been done before, even compared to Carl Anthony Towns and other players like that, uh, Christos Porzingis. And he has something that those guys don't have, and that's the ability to create off the dribble. Uh, He is a 6'11", 7' guard wing player. And I think that he has had injury concerns and he has foul trouble. There are flaws in his game. He has had a completely healthy offseason to develop and work on those things. I think that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to win the most improved player award. Does that mean the Grizzlies are the sixth seed in the West? Probably not. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I think that you will see them be more competitive against teams that they're not supposed to compete against because John ja Morant will have a fully healthy, fully functioning, true number two man to run alongside. And when you think about theoretical perfect bigs to run with John Morant, it's Jaron Jackson Jr. I think that he's going to be uh, one of the NBA's biggest rising stars uh, this coming campaign.
0: I like it. I think that's good. That would be great. And we we do love watching the Grizzlies. So I think Jaron Jackson being the uh, most improved would make sense because they re- I mean, they really are the, one of the more fun teams yes. in the NBA because their age and what John Morant can do like on a nightly basis.
1: And they're, and they're doing it with an eye to the future. You know what I mean? Like they're doing, right. they are truly in the sweet spot of if they make the playoffs, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Like, like they made the playoffs against the jazz. yay, that's sweet. And, and then they got swept <laughs> essentially, or it was a five game gentleman sweep. And everybody was mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, that kind of sucks. But you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're doing good. And you know, they can compete and do as well as they can and they can be proud of that. But if they struggle, you know, progress is not linear. They don't have to just go in a straight line and and keep getting better that way. They can take a step back in terms of a play-in appearance or whatever it might be and still be a better team for that middle-of-the-decade sweet spot where they're trying to, you know, when LeBron is gone and Steph is gone and Kawhi is gone, Paul George will be older. You know, what I'm like all of these current stars will age out. Uh, Luka will be there, like I said, but beyond that, it's a question in the Western Conference, and I think Memphis has positioned themselves – to, to be uh, a contender as that page turns. But that's years away, and it's going to take patience from Grizzlies fans. They're not going to do anything to make themselves uniquely better in the here and now, unless it's a home run deal, like I said, for a Ben Simmons. And I don't necessarily envision that
0: happening. I think they're going to continue to play the long game. Yeah. Well, we're, we're excited to watch Grizzlies for sure this mm-hmm. upcoming season. And yes. Joe, we appreciate you coming on. Talking Grizzlies basketball. Where can people find you online? Um, and of course, the podcast as well. Where, uh, what's, sure. what's the podcast and where can they find it?
1: Well, I'm fortunate enough to be the site manager over at SBNations Blues.com. Uh, you can follow the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. We have a tremendous staff, uh, 15 to 20 writers, I believe, that all contributed various rates and various times. And I'm, I'm very proud of the team that we've built there. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Molinax. Uh, you can follow the podcast at GBB Live. That's the name of my show. That'll be coming back here in the next few weeks as we get rolling. And, um, like I said, grizzlybearblues.com. I, I'm, I've been site manager for five years now and uh, I'm very, very happy with the growth that we've had and the development we've had. We've built ourselves up in the Memphis market and it's a testament to our team and the group of folks that we've put built over there.
0: And of course, awesome. as the Grizzlies get better, that's the place people need to go. <laughs>
1: yes, sir. That's exactly right.
0: <laughs> All right, Joe. Appreciate you coming on.
1: All right, thank you guys. I appreciate your time.
0: All right, we want to thank Joe for coming on. Jaron Jackson Jr.
2: <laughs> yes, He'll be most improved, Zach. Yes, he is. Well, I'm I'm rooting for it now because that's something that I was I was not. That's not on my radar for guys to win most no. improved. You know, obviously a guy like Lonzo can potentially be on your radar to win it. You know, obviously a year two guy that's uh you know like Anthony Edwards, you know, someone along the lines of that, Lonzo Ball, I mean uh Lamello yeah. Ball, you know, both Brawl bros can be in contention to win that to win that award. And so Sharon Jackson Jr. I'm rooting for it now. I like that down there in the Great Grind City.
0: I love it. So yeah, appreciate Joe coming on. Um always fun to talk Grizzlies and so we'll have we'll have more teams in the coming weeks. Hopefully maybe a couple two days if we plan yes. it out correctly and then people are available and we get everyone's schedules together, have some two-days with, you know, the Bulls or the Bucks and the Bulls or the Pistons and we have Celtics, it's exciting, Zach. we it'll be yes, fun. It it, we'll make we'll try to make this offseason season we a bit more fun. We got to get to Philly
2: too cuz the, the, the drama, drama in Philly, we got to get to Philly cuz that's going to be pretty dramatic. Whoever we get on, that's going to be fun. And so, you know, that's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium, the number one podcast at Stadium. I am Zach Badgerhouse. That was my main man, Ben Wittenstein. Make sure you follow us both on social media, respectively, of course. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Points in the Paint podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe on YouTube as well to see these exclusive interviews that we present to you on this wonderful podcast. And if you are a betting person, NFL week one, it's right here. It's right around the corner. It is. You have to listen to sharp lessons. Make sure you subscribe and rate and review sharp lessons with Ben Wittenstein and Nate Jacobson dropping fire content. I know they just had Kate on. That was wonderful to see that. I was uh, pleased because one of her bets hit too. And so that that was pretty awesome to see. I saw that. And, you know, inside the league, Michael Felder, make sure you subscribe, review and rate that podcast too. tons of guests and breaking down the plays and the in-depth analysis of football around the college football spectrum and you will hear from us next week